0: So we've been talking about being offended, salty bro, right? Being offended. How does being offended affect your spiritual life? And last week, we kind of set the groundwork. We talked about being directly offended by something. We talked about uh, you offending somebody else. And then that third one that we're really going to magnify today is that borrowed offense. You hear about something secondhand, Perhaps something happens to your spouse at work. Your spouse comes home mad, and you're like, Whoa, I can't believe they do that to you. And then you weren't even at their job. You don't even know what happens. You're just offended because it's your spouse. Right? Or maybe you're scrolling through uh, social media And you're scrolling because somebody said you need to go to so-and-so's page, and you need to look at their Insta post, or you need to look at their Facebook page. You need to go see what they posted. And so you go and look, and then you've got to see what they've posted, and then you see it, and then, you know, you turn green and get really big, and you get offended, right? And it's called a borrowed offense. Somebody else is offended. They share it with you. You weren't even a part of it, but you get offended, Let me see your hand if that's ever happened to you. Just raise your hand, you're in church, be honest. Okay, awesome. Well, glad to know that I'm not in the boat alone. So today we're going to talk about borrowing somebody else's offense. It's a serious, serious deal. You'll see the brevity of it towards the end of the sermon, but I'm telling you right now, this is by far the fastest growing deterrent to your prayers being answered, we discovered last week that God does not listen to the prayers of those who are offended. And so, I, what I said last week is that if you are praying and you're, why is my prayer not getting answered? Check your heart. Is there been something that has happened where you've been offended and you've not let that thing go, and you're just you're still in disbelief? I can't believe they, I can't believe they would say that. I can't believe they did that. I just can't believe, right? Because why? Because an offense happens when your values do not align with their values. Or I guess I should say their values don't align with your values, and you thought they, they believed like you did, and I just can't believe that your values don't align with my values, right? We are living in an increasingly less and less Christian culture, so we should not be surprised at things that get put on social media. We should not be surprised about things that happen uh, all in the world around us, and so let's not... Take offense and jeopardize our prayer life, jeopardize our spirituality. And so we talked about this Greek word, and we're going to find another passage today where this Greek word exists. Uh, scandalon, scandalon today is scandalizo, and so um, I know I have some Greek people here, and so if I botch that, see me afterwards, and you can correct correct my Greek, uh, but. Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. We're not going to read it. I just want to tell you a little bit about it. Mark chapter 4, 26 through 29. Jesus says that when you sow a seed, you go to bed, you fall asleep, you wake up, and then there's the flower, there's the vine. Whatever you planted, there it is. And you don't really know exactly how it happens, right? It just kind of does it on its own. Well, what happens, Jesus says, is he says, your words are like seeds. You plant words into people's lives, and those words will take root, and they will begin to grow. What you tell your kids, how you talk to your children, how you talk to your spouse, your coworkers, etc. all of those words are seeds, and you're dropping them in your heart. Now, as if that's not enough, the impact and the power of words, I could teach a whole series on that, Jesus says something even more powerful that most people never grasp, and I want you to see this because this is where offenses start, most often is with our words. In John chapter six, verse 63. Look what Jesus it says, "The spirit gives life. The flesh, the flesh, this world, counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of what? On the count of three, say it, one, two, three. Spirit. And life. i got my crew up here keeping me on track. right? Your words are spiritual. Your words are not just psychological or emotional. Words are spiritual. What created our physical world? The spiritual world. The spiritual world has far more power than the natural, natural world could ever imagine. And so Jesus says that when you speak words, you're speaking. Your words are spiritual. They have spiritual world impact, and they are life, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God spoke, and boom, the natural world came into existence. You can create and destroy worlds with your words. That's what God did when he created the world, literally, and figuratively. And so we have to understand that our words aren't just putting people, p- putting people down or putting people up. Words are spiritual. Every Facebook post that you post, the words you put in, they're spiritual. Every text you text, it's spirit. It has a spiritual connotation. And so when we think about the things that we say, there's a lot more. we need to weigh heavily the things that we say. Your words are spiritual and they matter. This is why King Solomon in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 and 23, and the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it says, you need to weigh or consider carefully what's in your heart. Because Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's in here is going to come out. When people say, oops, I didn't mean to say that, yes, you did, because you've been allowing that to build up in your heart. This is why King Solomon and the writer of Hebrews, though we don't really know who wrote Hebrews... Both of them say, you need to guard this thing. You need to guard what gets planted in here because it will eventually come out, right? Remember, remember a, a few years ago, it's been more than a few years ago, it's been all maybe closer to 10 years ago, there was a famous chef from Savannah, Georgia, and she has a, had a cooking show and she used a derogatory racial term. And in an interview where she's trying to apologize, she's like, we just grew up using that word. It was, just, it was just in her. So when she used it, she didn't even think about it. Using a derogatory racial slur. She's like, I don't mean anything. I have friends that are, you know, racially diverse. She goes, I didn't mean anything by it. Nonetheless, it's in the heart. It will come out. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but at some point, it will come out. And it will be offensive. And so Solomon and the writer of Hebrews says, you have to guard what goes in this thing. You have to guard it. You have to be diligent in cultivating the ground and the soil of your heart. Right? So what happens? Well, When people say something, when you say something, then that word, because it's spiritual in connotation, it takes root emotionally. And it begins to grow into people's lives. Right? And... and as anything that takes root and begins to grow there's progress it progresses and it either progresses spiritually healthy or spiritually negative negative. In john 10:10 10, 10, jesus gives us insight into what the enemy does john 10:10 10, 10, the thief that's satan comes only to kill i'm sorry to steal to kill and destroy i have come that you may have life and have it to the full jesus says what's he say about satan he says he works with a process Satan doesn't just come up to your door and, hi, I'm here. Would you let me in? What? Because nobody in their right mind. Well, maybe some. But most people aren't going to be like, yeah, come on in. You want some cookies and milk? What do you want? Right? People, don't, people aren't going to do that. He has to have a process. And so the first thing that he wants to do is if he can steal your joy Slowly, day by day, stealing your joy, stealing your pleasure, stealing things from you. Slowly, day by day, if he can steal those things, it will eventually kill the joy in your life. When that's killed, he can move on then to utterly destroy you. Satan always works in a process and always starts small, right? We see it in Genesis with Adam and Eve. What's he do with Eve? He says, did God really say Right, He doesn't come in and just absolutely deny everything that God said. He's like, no, that's not, that's not. He doesn't do that. He creates questions. He creates little questions. He creates little issues and little problems. King Solomon even said, be careful of the small foxes unless they devour the vine. It's the small. It's the small things constantly peck, 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 Satan knows that he can wear on you. And if he can wear on you, you will eventually throw your hands up in the whole King Solomon says, it's like small baby foxes eating at a grapevine. They just eat it, eat it, eat it. The first bite, not so much, but enough foxes biting on the grapevine, and it will destroy the vine, and you won't have any grapes, is what King Solomon says. And so he says, guard your heart against this stuff. This is how the enemy works. He puts a thought in your head, and goes away. Thought, and goes, away. thought goes away. Thought, goes away. Thought, back and forth, back and forth, eventually, until you're dwelling on it. You're like, I can't get this thought out of my head. I'm just going to give in to it. Destroy it. Right? And so Jesus says he comes, he first he steals a little bit, and then he steals a little bit more, and he steals a little bit more, and he steals a little bit so eventually he wants to kill you. He wants to kill your joy, kill your happiness, kill your peace, kill whatever. And then he knows if he can kill that portion of your spiritual life, he can destroy you. That's his goal. So offense works the same way. Why? Because being offended is a trap, as we talked about last week. It actually means a snare, a trap. To Kill you. You might get offended at this, and then it's not, you know, somebody you kind of go on, then you get offended at that, and somebody else has something over here. And you keep getting caught in these emotional, spiritual traps. Offense, when it's held on to, becomes bitterness. And when bitterness or a grudge is held onto, it becomes unforgiveness. And so being offended. Grows, it begins to grow into this full stock. So an offense becomes bitterness, and bitterness or that grudge then becomes unforgiveness. And here's how you know it's taken root. Let me give you a big example. Big example. Has this ever happened to you? You're at the store, right? You're like, go to the grocery store. Now, my wife, now, she's like, I promise you, every Sunday night, we usually watch about an hour of TV together as a family before we go to bed. But she's got her phone, and she's shopping. And she looks over at me. She goes, what do you want free to eat tonight? And I'm like, I'm engrossing the show. I don't have a clue. I'm like, I don't know. She goes, what do you mean? You, you want tacos? You want spaghetti? Hamburgers? Hot? You know, like we have a very wide palette at the priest's house. Hot dogs, hamburgers, you know, like what do you want? And I'm like, honey, I, I, you know, men, one track, one mind, one track. I'm watching the show. I'm not grocery shopping and watching the show. I don't multitask. I'm a unitasker, one. <laughs> Unitask is what I do, one task at a time, right? And so I could go on about that. I'm not going to. So she shopped. And, I, and I'm starting to wonder, is she shopping because she knows there's somebody at the store and she doesn't want to walk down the same aisle and have to talk to them? You ever been to the store and that's happened to you? You're like, see that person? You're like, oh, yeah, I, I need tomatoes, but not right, I don't need them right now. Right, I'll go ahead and go get the milk. I'll go clear to the other side of the store and hope and look down and I hope they don't see me because they're. You have to ask yourself, why? Why am I not wanting to walk down that aisle? Is it because I'm offended at them? Did they offend me? You might be offended if you will not go down the same aisle as somebody else. Now, if you're going not going down the aisle because you just put a hat on and didn't do your hair and you still got a couple rollers up there, you just wanted to hide them. That's different. All right? That's, that's different. And I've gone to Walmart, and I've seen some things <laughs> that in all my born days I never thought I'd see. But that's not the point. Why do you avoid the person in the grocery? Is it because you're offended at them? That's a sure tell way to know if you're offended by somebody is if you see them and you try to avoid them you're probably dealing with an offense, right? So we all have that tendency. Here's what I can tell you. I could go to any city in America, and if I were to go to any city, I don't care if it's Lapel or Lapel suburbs called Fishersburg or, that was supposed to be funny, right? Or if I went to Indianapolis, LA, New York, if I gathered up, If I gathered up all of the people who are no longer in church because they were offended in church and they stopped going to church, I would have the largest church in that city, hands down. If I went to everybody who said, why aren't you in church? Well, so-and-so did this to me at church, and I'm offended, so I'm not going back. If I took all of those people in any city in America, I'd have the largest church in that city. Because we hold on to offenses, and what we do, we allow it to sever us from God. It's Satan's process of splitting the church and dividing us as family. It's his way of getting in and getting in through the door. I'm not saying you, you know, I've said this a, a lot. It doesn't mean that everybody you go to church with, you're best friends with. It doesn't mean that everybody you go to church with, your personalities get along. There are probably some personalities in here that would clash. That's okay. We're all different. We are called to love one another, we're not always called to like one another. We're called to love one another, not always necessarily like one another. Personalities are different. That's okay. We have to love one another. What we can not allow ourselves to do is be offended by stuff. And I love this. Well, after what they did to me, I have the right to feel this way. So what you're telling me is you would rather feel this way, and as we're going to see here in just a second, literally stop. God from working in your life. You would rather hold on to that right. Well, you don't know what they did. You're right. I don't know what they did. I'm just telling you as we're getting ready to see in Mark chapter 6 that it will literally halt the Holy Spirit from working in your life as you try to look more like Jesus. So you're telling me your right is more important than your relationship with God. It's not in my life. i got to let go of it. I got to, just because you can doesn't mean you should. I think we need to understand that on a large scale. Just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? In Mark chapter 6, let's go. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Jesus goes back. Now, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus was born and raised in a small town. Somebody should write a song about that, right? He was born and raised in a small town. And so he goes back to his small town. And when I mean small, I don't mean like lapel, 2,100 people small. I mean like 300 people small, about 300 people or so, maybe 200, right? And he goes back to his hometown to see his mom, see his brothers and sisters. And so he begins to do what Jesus does in Mark chapter 6. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach them in the synagogue. And many who heard heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown, in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Here's what's happening Jesus goes back to his hometown and he starts teaching. He's not doing any miracles, he's just explaining scripture. He's explaining life. He's talking to them about life. And they're like, whoa, this isn't the Jesus that grew up here, is it? Because your dad's a carpenter. Your dad's a blue-collar guy. Your dad's not overly educated. How did you get this smart? You can't. What we value in your family, you're not fitting that value. And so now we're going to get offended at what you're teaching us. And I'm going to start talking to all. Do you notice that they got offended? I'm getting ahead of myself, but I don't care. They got offended, but they didn't go to him. They went to each other. They weren't directly offended by Jesus. They were borrowing each other's offenses and talking to one another. Did you hear what he said? How can he say it? He's Joseph's son. He was raised a carpenter. How did he get? This doesn't fit. His value, what he's teaching us, doesn't align with what we see him as right? Some of your greatest doubters are those you grew up with. Some of your greatest doubters are the people that you went to school with, that you grew up with. Oh, they can't be doing it. How did they pull that off? How did they, how did they, how did they, look, we all know how small towns work. It was no different 2,000 years ago. What? No. Really? They're going to do that? He can say that? Can he say that? Well, he did. Right? He's Joseph's son. It's, no, that family's not like that. Well, this guy is like that. Right? I mean, he went to school there. He grew up there. He, he played t-ball with them. He, okay, not, but, you know, he did the things that he was supposed to do. And he wasn't fitting their box. And you know what happens? The people you grow up with, they have this idea of you that you fit in this box. And suddenly, when you don't fit in that box, they don't know what to do. Suddenly you become a success. Suddenly, you you do something that's outside the norm, and they're like, Are we should we celebrate? They've become a success and they've moved away. Did they forget their roots? Did they did they and we lose our we lose our ever-loving mind because they don't fit in the small town box? What? You can't do I know what they did in high school. How are they doing that now? And Jesus says, a prophet, a man of God, isn't welcome in his own hometown because too many people know their background, and he doesn't fit in the box, so I'm not going to listen to that person. And Jesus is like, I can't even come here and teach you guys. I can't even come. They're, they're asking each other questions. They're getting offended because it doesn't fit. It doesn't. Is anybody like remotely relating to this right now? Like, Wait, you can't do that. I knew you in high school. You can't be pulling that off. But we do it all the time. We do it all the time. And so what do they start doing? They start asking each other questions. Wait a minute. Do you remember, do you remember on prom night back in, you know, that year where he went and did this thing? Surely he ain't a, Surely he can't be a preacher now. Well, that doesn't fit because he's always been this way. I got news for you. When Jesus and the Holy Spirit enters your life, he changes things. You don't act the same. You don't talk the same. And it isn't, that it isn't that you force yourself to change. It just happens because the Holy Spirit begins to work. And the people look at you and be like, that ain't the guy we threw down with after the football game that night. That person's different. And they see the change. And some people will, yeah, praise the Lord, and some people will get offended, and some people will want to know what's up. These people got offended. They start looking at each other. Did you hear what he said? I heard what he said. Did you? Yeah, and then they go to the next one. Did you hear what he said? Did you hear? And they are starting to do what we're talking about today. They start borrowing an offense. They weren't there. They didn't hear Jesus say it. They nothing. All they got is they, second, third, fourth hand. Did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you see that? Oh my gosh, can you believe that they said that? Can you believe that they did that to their kid? Can you believe that, can, I, I just, I, and, then, and what happens? You start dominoing offenses. People start dominoing, getting offended. And that, that, that offense, it dominoes, and they take it, and they hold on to it, and they weren't even involved in it, right? Borrowed offense usually happens in gossip. Borrowed offense usually happens when you gossip. Lynn and I were up at, we were at Ship Shawana yesterday, and we were shopping. (laughs) And (laughs) there was this sign that said, um, enjoy company, or sit on the porch, enjoy company and gossip. And it was a great sign. And I'm like, Lynn's like, I want that for the front porch. I'm like, then she looks at me and she's like, it says gossip on it, doesn't it? I'm like, yeah. If it just said sit on the front, front porch, talk, drink tea or something, good. I am not promoting gossip. I'm supposed to be, and you're supposed to be, about encouraging people to grow spiritually. And if I'm sitting there, let's all sit on the front porch and gossip, that's not helping you spiritually. Because you're gonna take fit, off- you're gonna get offended at something. Right? And then you're not going to grow, as we talked about last week. God will not listen to the prayers of those people who live live offended. And so what happens? In verse 3, they took offense at him. This is, they took offense at him. It's the same Greek word with a twist, but it's scandalazio, And it means trapped. And so what happens? Well, they keep borrowing and borrowing these offenses, And he gets rooted in their heart. I like what John Bevere said. John Bevere says, an offended heart is the breeding ground for deception. An offended heart is a breeding ground for deception. Because you can get deceived about stuff. Because then, oh, you believe it? Well, then you start believing all kinds of other stuff. And the enemy now, you crack the door a little bit. Here's what I know about Satan. He doesn't need but a half an inch to take a full mile. You crack that door, he will flood you with other stuff, right? So an offended heart is a breeding ground for deception. And this is exactly what's happening in Jesus' hometown. What are the ramifications of this? Mark chapter 6, same story, verses 5 and 6. And he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them, and he was amazed at their lack of faith. Them being offended stopped Jesus from healing, from doing miracles. It shut the Holy Spirit that was working in his life. It shut it down. Shut it down because they were offended by him. They were offended by him. There are two side effects of borrowed offenses. Number one, it will stop the anointing of God from working in your life. Number two, it will weaken your faith. It will weaken your faith. Now, I don't know about you, but the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. If it, I want to please, I want to live my life pleasing God. When I die and stand before God, I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, come on in. I don't need anything weakening my faith. This is why I I posted something, somebody tagged me on something on Facebook a few days ago, and I said it's going to take a lot more than that to offend me. I'm not taking offense at this. You know why? Because my faith is more valuable. I want to stand before God. Well done, good and faithful servant. Here's your rewards. Here's your mansion, right? Amen. Then, man, what happened back there on Facebook? I, I. Well, you could have had a lot more rewards in heaven, but because you got offended and you started weakening and decreasing your faith, right? So what happened in this story It stopped the anointing. Jesus couldn't heal people or work miracles because they were offended. If it stopped Jesus, you think it will stop you? You think it will stop your relationship with God? If you're struggling and not hearing from God, I'm not saying this is the only reason, but check your heart. Are you living in a state of offense, of being offended by something? If it shut Jesus down, I promise you it will shut you and I down, right? And here's the funny thing. Were they praying for their own? Were they praying for their own healing? And were they praying for miracles in their life? No, they were asking Jesus to do it. You live in a state of offense and you say, Well, let's go to the preacher and let the preacher pray for us. I can pray till I'm blue in the face. I can pray till the cows come home. I don't even know what that means. But I can pray till the cows come home. But if you're living in a state of offense, my prayers aren't even going to do any good. You have to check your heart and guard it diligently. Offense, being offended, stops the anointing of God in their life. You can shut the Holy Spirit down like that if you start taking offense at everything you see, everything you hear, and everything you read. You will shut it down. And I've seen too many blessings in my life to say, <laughs> to go, yeah, I'm willing to be offended and shut that off. Turn that faucet off because I don't need those blessings. <laughs> right? I don't we don't I don't I don't I don't need that. And so when you say Tyson, it stops the anointing. That's a church term, right? It's a Bible term. What does that mean? What does the anointing mean? So I want to I kind of close with this. The anointing, the anointing basically is the favor of God, and I want God's favor, the favor of God on your life to accomplish what God has for you through the Holy Spirit moving in your life. God says, listen, I know the plans I have for you to give you hope. And in and, and Ephesians chapter 1, he goes, I've got some predestined plans, things I want you to accomplish So God has things in his life that he wants you to accomplish, and he's going to give you the Holy Spirit to accomplish those and to do those things. And then when you get to heaven, you're rewarded for how well you obeyed God, right? And so, like, heaven isn't floating on clouds and strumming a harp. Heaven is not boring, right? We get rewarded. And so God God says, he says, as we see in in this story, when we get offended at stuff, we stop the Holy Spirit. We stop the anointing. We stop the favor of God and the movement of the Holy Spirit in our life to accomplish the things that God wants us to accomplish, because we become preoccupied with the offense. So how do I? What do, how do I? How do I sum this up? Like this: There was a long time ago. There was a Time magazine article, and they were testing animal interaction. So they took a male lion in the cage and they put the male lion in the cage and then they took a monkey. They took a chimpanzee. And then we see how the chimpanzee and the lion would interact. And so what they did is they put chim... It's it's in Time magazine, okay? Chimpanzee bait? I have no idea. But they put chimpanzee bait in the lion's cage. the The chimpanzee stood there and just kind of like I want the bait I don't want and the chimpanzee would weigh would weigh it he walked over and got a stick grabbed a stick and started pulling the bait towards the edge of the cage grabbed a hold of the chimpanzee bait but guess what the bait was too big to fit through the bars and when the lion figured this out as the lion's pacing the lion's like wait a minute Chimpanzee isn't getting away so fast. I'm hungry. I haven't been fed for a few days. This was an experiment. The chimpanzee would do everything and he could not get it out. The article says that the zookeepers were whacking the chimpanzee, trying to pull it, pry it apart, and the chimpanzee would not let go under any circumstance. The chimpanzee was not letting go. The lion was getting closer. The lion had figured this out. He was hungry. Chimpanzees aren't high on lions' list of foods, but when you're hungry, hey. Finally it says they had to tr- tranquillize the chimpanzee to get him to let go and pull that thing out and keep the lion preoccupied. Listen to me. Too many of us are the chimpanzee with our offenses, and the lion is just waiting, just waiting. You've got to let go of the bait of the enemy. Where the Bible says the enemy who roams like a lion waiting to devour is just waiting to you. To, and the longer you hold on to that offense and the more your relationship with God deteriorates, the lion is waiting and waiting and waiting. Your prayers won't be answered. God's not listening. We know according to 1 John 1.9, he's faithful and just. He will forgive us. He will listen to that and begin to restore us. So, my question to you today is Are you the chimpanzee? Are you holding on to something that you need to let go of? Let's stand up. I, I don't want anybody in this church, and I know I have several people that listen online. I don't want anybody listening to this to be the chimpanzee. Let go of the offense. And so I'm going to ask if Lynn and Amy would come up here and if Terry and Angie Taze would come over here. If you guys would just, if you're holding on to an offense this morning as we close out in song, I want you to come up and pray and ask God to let it go. If we get a line of people, that's fine. We're going to pray with you until we let these offenses go. So let's sing this out. I want you to search your heart as we sing.